with Andrew Andreev. My name is Damien Lehman, and we're both lawyers at Andreev Lawyers. We plan to talk a bit today about companies and what exactly they are, how they work, and whether perhaps you might want to get one for anything you're doing out there in the wild world. This is Andrew. G'day. Thank you for joining me, Andrew. Oh, it's always a pleasure, Damien. <laughs> okay. So, uh, I saw the other day... Um, in our email newsletter, you sent out a lovely article about how do companies work. Yeah. And um, I'll just read the little bit in italics at the front. When we hear the word company, we all think we know what the person is talking about. We deal with companies every day. Most of us work for a company and we certainly buy things from them. Uh, but companies are actually a strange thing. Yeah, well, I think there there is a mis... Everybody, there's such a common thing, but... I don't know whether a lot of people really understand how companies fit together and that's why we put this newsletter together. Mm. Really, the strange thing about companies is they're one of those, they're, they're really a fiction. They don't exist. You can't, you can't kick a company, you can't stick it on a shelf, um, although people do refer to shelf companies, but that's, that's another story. Mm -hmm. um, so there's certain components that make up companies um, and I think it helps if you understand a little bit of history about how companies came about because it really goes a long way to explain their purpose. So back in the day, I think around about 400 odd years ago, uh, companies didn't exist. Nobody had ever thought about them or considered them. Um, if you wanted to carry on a business or, or a trade or a, um, be a member of a guild or something like that back in the day, um, you would do that in your own personal name. So you were responsible. And if the business failed or if somebody you know, products were defective or whatever it might have been, then you were responsible. So there was there was no way of limiting your liability if you went into business. So we're talking about the 1600s when yep. you had was it the East India Trading Company? Well, that's really what that's really what fired it up. So in in the days where you were just putting shoes on horses and mm -hmm. um, you know scything some crops and whatever, <laughs> liability wasn't such a big issue. Mm -hmm. So um, you didn't need to put a whole get a whole lot of people involved. Um, so you could pretty much, you know, the biggest sort of entity would have been a partnership between a few people. It might have been a father and son or a couple of brothers or something like that. There really wasn't a need for a, for a legal construct that would enable people to come together and do so in a sort of structured way where they would be able to limit their liabilities. So what happened is back around that time when, when trade was becoming much a much bigger business so people would would get together to fund ships so they had to build the ships they had to send the ships away they would be on the high seas for months after month they'd go out to the east indies or west indies or wherever and, and pick up a, a boatload of stuff and if the boat um, you know hit a some uncharted waters or you know it was wrecked or whatever everybody would lose their money and everybody would end up in debtor's prison mm. and what that was doing it was it was actually hampering or preventing risk-taking, which is really what these ventures were about, uh, from happening because people didn't want to get involved in a boat because they didn't have control of it. It was a long-term exercise that might have involved a number of people that they didn't even know. So what the response from the, um, from the monarch was to say, okay, we're going to create this vehicle, if you like, that people can come together and they can fund this boat and the money they put into the boat is the maximum they will risk on that venture. So if you put in you know, 100 pounds, mm -hmm. that was all you would lose if the boat got wrecked. You cut, they couldn't come back to you and, and ask for more. So you can plan ahead 
instead of ending up in debtor's prison. Exactly. Yes. So basically, the, the money you decided to put on the table was the was the limit to your liability, and that was that was really a fundamental thing. So that was that was really a key aspect to to companies. But there was a, there was an equally important aspect, which was a division of responsibility. So up until that point in time, if you were running a cobbler shop or a bakery or whatever it might have been, you might have owned the business, but you also managed the business and you also worked in the business. So it was it was very much a, a small a one man show. A one man show. It might have been, you know, a few employees or uh, family members or partners. But right. when commerce started to get a little bit more complicated, um, you as an investor in this boat um, probably weren't on the boat doing activity you weren't captaining the boat and certainly you know not working in the boat or doing the deals to buy the spices whatever it might have been so you would put your money on the table and then you would delegate responsibility for the venture for the voyage and there was two levels of delegation if you like there was the people who were going to manage the thing the captain and the the financiers and the insurers and all sort of thing and then there were people who did the work so the modern company really reflects all of those problems that people were having 400 years ago when commerce started to get more complicated. So there's a concept of the amount of money I put on the table is all I'm risking, which we now call limited liability. Mm-hmm. There was a concept of appointing a board of directors, which are the people who are responsible for setting the strategy, coming up with the terms of the venture, um, and selecting somebody to carry out the venture. So is that the captain in the analogy? or Well, no, the captain's more like the CEO, I would say. Okay, so this right. Is, this Appointed is the board of directors. So okay, the board of directors sorry, would then yes. appoint the captain, if you like. <laughs> yes. And then the captain would then go and, and um, throw a whole lot of boys in sacks and, and wake yes. them up uh, well, well and, off the coast. less than half of them <laughs> came back because of scurvy. Exactly. Yes. So, you know, it, it is a very close analogy because it's exactly the problem that was um, that, that, that was trying to be solved when, when this whole concept of companies came about. And really, the fundamentals of them haven't changed that much over that period of time. And so, uh, what about shareholders? I mean, the shareholder, I guess, is what we're saying is the person who's putting the money in. Correct waving the handkerchief as the boat pulls out. Yep. And, and they, they own a share of the venture. So share that's of the really, venture. Yeah, so they're holding a share in the venture. Yeah, right? okay. Which and represents the capital that they've put on the table, mm-hmm. which they're prepared to lose. Yes, okay. And then things are just operating out there on the high seas without them, mm-hmm. um, but they know what their exposure is, and they can go on with the rest of you know their, their life and activities without worrying that they're going to end up dead as prison or lose their house, I suppose, yeah. which must have happened even back then. Yeah. There's, there's probably one other thing that, I, that we should add is mm-hmm. the concept of um, uh, perpetual succession, succession uh, or, which is basically the concept that companies don't die. So when companies were created, they were this new thing that was sort of plucked out of, out of thin air to solve this particular commercial problem. And what they did is they said, we are going to give this, this thing all the characteristics of a human being. So right. we're going to give it, it's going to be corporeal and corpus to have a body, which is where the, the, the concept of incorporate means, to create the body. Right. And the difference between a human carrying on a business and a company carrying on a business is that humans die, but companies don't. So companies can live 
indefinitely. Obviously, they come to an end if they fail or they can get wound up if their purpose is finished. But, you know, there are companies around, I think we had a list even in our article that talked about companies that have been around for hundreds and hundreds of years. So mm. that was another key thing because <clears throat> in the old days, you know, if the baker died, that was the end of that particular business, if you like. Now, someone might come and take over the premises or whatever, but the businesses would die with, with the owner, the proprietor. And a new one would start with the exactly. new and it person. Might be, it might be a child or you know, one of their sons or daughters or it might be um, you know, someone within the guild or something like that. So mm-hmm. companies did bring into, into the mix this concept of, of lasting forever. So that's why companies are sometimes used in the context of estate planning because the company is likely to outlive any particular generation. It can be passed down the generations. Okay. So what sort of context then are, are they usually used for then, like for businesses that will then continue like that? Yeah, um, yeah. They, uh, without getting into too much detail, because we'll probably yeah. get off the, off the point a little bit, but right. certainly the businesses can be passed down families. Yes, beyond. You know, some good examples of that in Australia, the Cooper family and you know, mm-hmm. the brewery and, and various other ones. Um, but they can also be used as trustee companies and other bits of structures that would, would act as an intergenerational wealth structure for, for families so that's another another reason they might be put into that mix okay all right um i have a little bit of a tangent but i'll keep it short <laughs> uh, i was reading a book the other day the history of the australian legal system and it was talking about this sort of subject about the beginnings of corporations slash companies which is technically a distinction but you know it's technically we won't get into it but apparently one of the oldest corporations is the royal house Right. Uh, Buckingham Palace. Well, the monarch, monarch yeah. effectively. Yeah, yeah. And because obviously, you know, when we talk about the Queen has massive land holdings, mm. uh, if she were, you know, to pass the crown over to Prince Charles or, or whoever, um, he would automatically inherit all of that land. And But it's not, strictly speaking, him the man. It's right, the, role. the, what they call a corporation sole, which is yeah. a corporation vested in one person. Yes. Um, yeah. And it's apparently, yeah, the, the oldest corporation that we have still wow. today. No, that's a good one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's so. interesting because a lot of people, um, you know, things like patents, that was a, a, a stat- another statutory fiction. So, in other words, a, a thing that was created by, by the, the monarch or, or the court writing rules on a bit of paper, yeah. um, but creating a monopoly in a particular um, invention and copyright, similar, creating rights in... In written works, those sort of things. It's funny that only, really only in, in, in the last few decades, um, certainly not more than 50 years, have these things become very common. So I can even remember when, you know, back in the day when I started as an accountant, to set up a company was a, was a song and dance. You had to, you'd have articles of association and memorandums of incorporation. You would have, you have to spell out all the powers that the companies had. Um, you know, it was, it was a bit of a song and dance. You had to go down, you got these big stamped bits of paper and certificates of incorporation and because it was a, a big deal to create this statutory fiction, to create this, this incorporated this person body, this in other the room. person, exactly. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, even you know, now when we start a, start up a venture, we'll go down and go, on, go online, um, stick the credit card in and bang, instantaneously create a company. And I think that's really why we wrote this article was to get back to basics that people do these things because they think, well, well, you know, I need a company or my accountant or lawyer said I need a company. But it's so important to understand what the role of the company is, what the roles are within a company. So another thing that we quite often say to people is, 
when you're running your company, you should have regular time put aside to sit within each of the roles in the company. So often people will set up a company, then they'll make a decision about strategy, then they'll go and ring up some sales in the cash register, um, they'll go and then sweep the floor and go home. Yeah. And in that, in that time, they've been a shareholder because they've put money in, mm-hmm. they've been a board of directors because they've thought about the strategy, they've made decisions about how the business is going to be run day to day, so they're executives, and then they've actually done the work, so they're employees. Right. And I think if you do that, you miss the opportunity to run your business in a more effective way, which is to set time aside and say, okay, this business represents an investment to me. So I'm going to stick my shareholder hat on and I'm going to think, would I put the money in today? Does it need more money? Do I want to take money out? How, how is this company performing as a business for me? And then you'll have separate time to set aside where you stick your director hat on and you say, okay, how's the strategy for this business going? What, what are the high level issues? Where's, what's happening in the market? You know, so you're thinking about the, <clears throat> the more longer term issues, maybe key staffing issues. Um, and then you might put the, the manager or the CEO hat on and say, okay, day to day, how is this thing running? What are our policies and procedures yeah, looking like? Have we got the right staff in the right places, etc.? Yeah. And then finally, you might also be somebody who works in the business day to day. So yeah. I think going back to those basics can really improve the effectiveness of how you run your business, not just see it as some, a box that gets ticked. Yeah, okay. That makes good sense. All right. Well, thank you, uh, anyone out there who's listening. We will uh, be back to discuss a few other things soon. Thank you. Bye.